0: Thank you for checking out the Life Church Utah podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. If you'd like to give to Life Church, you can do so by texting the word LCGive to 43506. And now, a message from one of our pastors. Okay. So, heads I propose to her, tells I don't. Order the buckler and shield and prepare for battle. Divine direction. Just real quick, how many of you have ever opened up a Bible like that and stuck your finger down just to see? God's going to say something to me right now, right? Okay. We've all done it, right? Uh, Divine Direction. Now, hands down, the most um, asked question that I get, um, and probably the one that I've struggled with the most in my own life, is how do I know what God wants me to do? Or what is God's will for my life? Anybody struggle with that? Cool, I'm the only one? All right. Three people? (laughs) We've all been there before. We all need direction in our life, don't we? Yeah. Do I stay where I am? At? Do I do I go for the new job? Do I need to go? Do I need to stay? Do I need to get married? Do I need to stay single? You laugh, but you know, these are real questions. Do we want another baby? Do we need another baby? <laughs> do we want to buy a house? Do we want to rent? All of those things are real questions that we deal with in life. For some of these choices, or for some of you, these choices are hard. For others, they're impulsive, right? I can be an impulsive decision maker. My wife, on the other hand, is a very um, slow decision maker, now I'm not saying one's bad or or the other, but I tend to make probably more reckless decisions for my life and my family's life than she does, and she kind of fails to make any decision which just leads to frustration for me. And we either fall into one or the other as people, don't we? Where are my slow decision makers at? Anybody in here? Slow it's hard, right? Do I eat the Do I eat the red M&M or do I eat the green M&M? Which one do I want to leave last, you know? That goes into your mind. You're like, oh, man. Or you're eating your, your dinner and you're like, okay, the best thing on the plate, I'm going to save for last. So you eat everything else and then you have the last right there. Because, you you know, it's just, that's the way you process. You process slowly. Any fast decision makers, right? All right. How many of you have messed up? And gotten yourself into debt because you made a fast decision. Yes. I can remember the uh, first car we bought as a married couple, right? We had, uh, we had moved to Utah. We were working at the church in West Valley City. And uh, we both had cars. They were both paid off. We had no debt. And our, our one car began to have issues. And, and I was working on it a lot. And you know, I was like, well, we're adults now and we could go out and get a newer car. We need a newer car. Well, there's not anything terribly wrong with the car we had, but I was, I was being impulsive. And so, we, I, you know, I was, I was scouring the internet, and, and I found this, uh, it was a Chevy HHR, 2006 Chevy HHR. And um, I thought it looked really cool. It was, it was like the cool new design and, uh, from the PT Cruisers, and, and, you know, it was big, and I thought, man, you know, this, is, this could be a great car, and it had what was called a branded title, a branded title, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but a branded title means the car was totaled at some point in its life and then rebuilt. So, we traded our non branded car in for this newer, prettier looking branded car. And let me tell you, it was one horrible decision. Not only did we get into car debt with that, but the car, every time we turned a corner, it had some sort of shimmy, you know, just, uh, and it was like, man, this feels not safe. And, uh, you know, I look back on that experience as the worst car I've ever owned because it was just terrible. But it was a decision that I made that was too much of a just quick, you know, decision. And so we're faced with choices every single day that determine things in our life, either big or small. If you have your notes, you can pull these out this uh, this morning, but I'm gonna give you a couple things about decisions, about direction. The first thing is decisions matter. Decisions we make today determine stories we tell tomorrow. Decisions we make today determine stories we tell tomorrow. You know, in the, the in the Bible, God says very little about the future. I'm not saying it doesn't say anything about the future. Of course, there's prophecy. There's a book of Revelation in, uh, throughout the Gospels. Uh, Jesus tells about, you know, what's to come. But when it comes to talking about today, the Bible says a whole lot about today. Every day we make choices that shape our life story. You know, you kind of look at yourself, what would my life look like if I let godly principles guide those little choices? What would my life look like? So over the next seven weeks, we're going to begin to explore seven principles of dealing with this idea of divine direction, helping us to find God's wisdom for our daily decisions. And today I want to talk about, if I had a subtitle for today, it would be start. Everybody say start. 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 Because you always have to start somewhere, don't you? If someone asked you to tell your life story, what would you say? You might start off with um, where you were born, um, how you were raised. You might even mention your first love or your spouse. Talk about your family's big move. You know, when you moved across the country to the great state of Utah. If, you're, if you've got kids, you might whip out your cell phone and start showing pictures of your kids. You, you know, you start sharing your story. Everybody kind of comes at it from a different place of what our story is. But I want to ask you this question. I want you, to, I want you to really think about this. But what do I need to start doing to move in the direction of the life story I want to tell. Because the truth of the matter is, when we look at our story, we, we probably want our story to be more. I know I do. I feel like I have a pretty good story. It's not that I don't feel like I have a bad story. It's just I look at some of the things in my life, and I'm like, you know what? What could I add to my story that would be impactful to people around me? So I want you to kind of ask yourself that question. What do I need to start doing to move in the direction of the life story I want to tell? What do you want to accomplish in your life story? I think we have to understand first and foremost that when it comes to our story, God cares more about the who before the do. The who before the do. And you say, well, that makes no sense. And you're looking at the words right now, who before do. God cares more about who you are rather than what you do with your life. He cares, about, he cares more about who you are than what you do with your life. When it comes to our story, most of us have chapters we'd rather not share with anyone. Amen. Amen. <laughs> We want those chapters to still, to to stay shut. And maybe you've ended up somewhere you never wanted to be in life. You have to understand that God cares more about who you are today than before you decide what you're going to do with your life. God is more concerned with who you are becoming than what you're doing. That's really good. He's more concerned about who you are becoming than what you are doing. So let's find out who we need to be before what we need to do. We start by looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And this is very, very simple. You know, people say, what's God's will for my life? It's right here. God's will is for you to be what? Holy. Holy. What does it mean to be holy? Holy. It means to live a life that's dedicated to God's word, to living out godly principles, to prayer, to loving the people around you, living a holy life, getting sin under control, living a life that pleases God, reaching the people around you, all of those things. God cares more about who before do. Now, what I look at, I'm going to use me for an example. Being a pastor, that is what I do. Now, did God call me to be a pastor? I believe God did call me to be a pastor, but it's secondary to the fact that God calls me to himself first and foremost. He calls me to himself first and foremost. That is who... I am. I am a follower of Christ before I am a pastor. Maybe that doesn't make a lot of sense to you. You are a follower of Christ before you, you work at um, you know Purple Mattress. You are a follower of Christ before you, you decide to start a family or you get into a, a, a marriage relationship. You're a follower of Christ First, that is who, and oftentimes, we get that confused with what we do. Proverbs 16.2 says this, All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but the motives are weighed by the Lord. I can remember as a young teenager... And I have to tell you, folks, I share this a lot, but I was a bonehead as a teenager. I made decisions concerned on my own abilities uh, and, and my own wants and desires. I made choices that began to influence my life in a negative way. And I've shared this kind of before, and I'm going to share it again, but I can remember a time I was really into street racing as a kid, as a young man. And, uh, you know, Fast and the Furious was a big movie when I was, you know, kind of at that young adult age, 18, 19, 20 years old. And so uh, me and my buddies, we went out and we bought Hondas, and we, we souped them up, and we lowered them to the ground, and, and we began to uh, live lives like, you know, like they did on the movie, which <laughs> was kind of silly to look at. And I can remember how some of those decisions That we saw, we we based on you know the movie. You know, and it's you know inside that world there was a lot of infighting, there was a lot of um, uh, threats, there was a lot of uh, you know physical fights, all those different things, a lot of rivals. And I can remember uh, you know having this cool little car of mine, and uh, I was known; people knew who I was by my car. There was an identity that was wrapped up into that. And I remember one time my sister who had just gotten her license asking me, hey, can I take your car out? And I thought, yeah, you know, I want my little sister to feel cool. You know, I have a cool car. And uh, so I said, yeah, no problem. And I can remember her coming home uh, just wide as a sheet and saying, you know, I got chased by this car, I got yelled at, I got you know, all these different things. And I'm like, to me, that's normal. <laughs> but to my baby sister, that was a problem. And I can remember look at, taking a hard look at my life and thinking, man, what kind of story am I telling right now? What kind of story am I living that's impacting the people that I love around me? See, you might ask the question, I, or, or, or you might make the statement, rather, I didn't mean to blow it, but I did. You made the decisions that took you further than you ever intended to go. You did some things that cost you more than you ever thought you'd have to pay. You hurt people. You compromised values at times. You broke promises. You did things you feel like you can't undo in your story. But here's the good news your story is not over. Your story is not over. When I look at my story, what do I want my story to be about? I want my story to be about Jesus, plain and simple. Well, my kids grow up, and they say, uh, tell, and somebody comes to them and says, tell me about your father, tell me about your dad. They can look at, at them and say, my dad loves Jesus, and he loved us as a family, and he showed us Jesus. I want my church to look at me and say, Pastor Dustin loves Jesus. Jesus. I know he does. I don't want him to look at me and say, man, he's got some great basketball skills. Even though I do, okay? <laughs> the primary thing is he Eddie, I got a basketball hoop out here now. I don't you're you're laughing a little too hard. I'm gonna have to take you out back. <laughs> this white man can't jump, okay? That's not true. That's not true. I used to play in a basketball league with Forrest. He can attest I can't jump. (laughs) What do you want your story to be? So you have to understand that your story is not over. It's not too late to change the story you'll tell one day. Regardless of what you've done or haven't done to this point, your future is unwritten. You have more victories to win, more friends to meet, More of a difference to make, more of God's goodness to experience. Whether or not you like the plot so far, with God's help, you can transform your story into the one you're proud to share. And here's one way to change your story. You ready for this? You can write this down. Start something new. Start something new. You got to start somewhere. Start something new. I think the problem with starting things that are new is usually we go from like, uh, you know, not doing anything to all of a sudden I'm going to lose 50 pounds, okay? So I'm going to go to the gym and kill myself, and I'm going to do this every day. Then you go to the gym kill yourself, and you can't move the next morning. You're like, you know, I can't do the gym today. And then it turns into this cycle of not going to the gym, back and forth, back and forth, because you started here instead of starting down here. I feel like people do this with their Christian walk at times. They come in, they accept Christ, they know Christ, they start a relationship with Him, and then it's like, you know, I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to read the whole Bible, and they start in Genesis, and they start reading, and they're they're doing good, but then all of a sudden, things start getting in the way, and they start allowing themselves to slip, and they don't get into any sort of routine, and that's true with our prayer life at times, and we find ourselves... Stopping new things rather than starting new things. You know, I have, we're all creatures of habit, are we not? So in the morning, I get up, I make coffee. Praise God. I have to have at least two cups of coffee or else my day is shot. You know what I mean, right? And, you know, I also have to, you know, I'm very um, dedicated to brushing my teeth. If I don't brush my teeth, then I just, I feel off. You know, I feel off. Like last night, I, I brushed my teeth and uh, I got in bed and then I just felt like I didn't brush them good enough. So I had to get up and brush them again. I know it's so weird, Right. And there's these little things in my life that if I don't get them right, you know, it, you know, say I don't get up and have coffee, you know, and then I get to the office and I'm cranky, and then I destroy relationships at the office, and I get fired, and I'm so depressed because I'm fired. I, I, you know, I turn to alcohol and make a bad decision, and the next thing I know, my life is in shambles because I didn't have my coffee. That's just a funny example, but you get the story. There's things in our life that, you know, we, we have already ingrained, but, you know, it's important for us to mix it up and start new things, you know? And, and maybe that means, you know, making a small decision, not a huge decision. So how can small decisions make a big change? See, most people are familiar with the story of Daniel in the lion's den. In the Old Testament, we, we learn about Daniel and we learn about uh, Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, uh, you know, they're Jewish, um, um, Jewish people and, and they were, would be considered learned Jewish people. So they, they've been going to the synagogues, they've been learning, they've been growing in, in education. And Babylon comes in, they take over Jerusalem, and they cart off basically the important people, the people that are making a difference, the, the, the women and the children, they, they take them as slaves and they bring them back to Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, for those that, that may not know. And what they do is they grab those that, that have influence or ability, the book smarts, so to speak, and they put them in leadership positions. And so we'll start off in verse 6. I'm going to hurry up because I know it's just about... Uh, Time to wrap up. But starting in chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Darius decided to appoint 120 governors to hold office throughout his empire. In addition, he chose Daniel and two others to supervise the governors and to look after the king's interests. Daniel soon showed that he could do better work than the other supervisors or the governors because he was so outstanding, the king considered putting him in charge of the whole empire. Now, Daniel got to this place because of the little choices that he made in his life that had a big impact. The first choice when he got to Babylon was his diet. He said, I'm not going to eat all of this stuff that they're putting in front of me. Not that it was bad. I mean, Daniel had the option to eat like a king, but he did not want to defile himself with, with... the type of food that was in Babylon. And so he went to his supervisor when they first got there, him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they said, he said, look, we, you know, we're not eating this, and, and this is part of our faith, this is part of who we are. We'll just eat vegetables and fruit and drink water, and we'll be good. And, and the supervisor said, no, 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 you can't do that because you guys are, you're special. We picked you guys, we brought you here, to be a part of this kingdom. And if you start to look like you're sick or losing all this weight, it's off with my head, okay? It's my job to make sure you look good, to make sure you're healthy, that you're fed, all of those things. He said, no, no, just try it out. If, If after two weeks we look unhealthy, we'll eat whatever you tell us to eat. After two weeks, they looked great. They actually looked better than everybody else that was eating all the great food, all the ribeye steaks or whatever they had. They looked better than them. And so they began to get, you know, uh, influence. They, they made these little choices. The other little choice Daniel had made is that I'm going to pray for Jerusalem three times a day and I'm going to do it in the presence of looking out at Jerusalem, out my window. Little decision. You know the story. And I'll just kind of paraphrase it really quick. Uh, there was basically some in the, in the government of Babylon Uh, that wanted to see the Jews out. They wanted them executed. And so they went to the king and said, you know what, you're such a good king. I think that we should make a law that for the next 30 days, we just honor and worship the king. And that if anybody worships idols or gods or, or prays to gods or idols, that they're just, they're throwing in the lion's den. Because you're that good of a king. And of course, the king, feeling all toted up from his advisors, signed it into law that, that Babylon would take 30 days to worship nobody but the king. Well, Daniel doesn't worship that king. He worships the king of kings. And so he kept his regiment to pray uh, to God and he was trapped in this because they knew what Daniel was doing. They knew they saw him praying in his window every day. And they said, Okay, this is how we get Daniel. This is how we get those Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego guys. They might have avoided the furnace. They might have survived that. But we need to get these guys out of there. And so they grab, they, they arrest Daniel and they take him to the king. They said, Look, I know I know Daniel's one of your advisors, and and, and he's growing in influence, and you might be considering him to take over the kingdom. But he broke the law. And as king, you better follow through. And if you don't follow through, maybe you're not as divine. You know, your kingship's not as divine as as it's supposed to be. So the king had no choice. The minute that that came to him, it, you know, he had seen the influence Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had started having in Babylon. He, he honored, he respected them as men, and, and, but he had to follow through. And so Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. You know the story. Long story short, Daniel survives the lion's den. The king releases Daniel. He throws the people that arrested him in there. They're torn apart, eaten by lions, That'd be a really cool movie, wouldn't it? (laughs) And then it says this in verse 25 in chapter 6. Then King Darius wrote to the people of all nations, races, languages on earth, greetings, I command, everybody say that word command, that throughout my empire everyone should fear and respect Daniel's God. He is a living God. What? We're talking about a king who does not worship God, a king that worships idols, uh, worships Baal, and he's saying, he's like, look, I've seen it with my own eyes. He is a living God. No, I don't think you understand. He's a living God. Amen. He's alive right now. He's not just some statue we made 2,000 years ago that we bow down to. He's not my golden statue that I erected in the town square for people to worship. He's a living God, and he will rule forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed, and his power will never come to an end. He saves and he rescues. He performs wonders and miracles in heaven and earth. He saved Daniel from being killed by the lions. And Daniel proposed during the reign of Darius in the reign of Sirius and Persian. He prospered during the reign of those kings that didn't know God, that didn't want to know God, but they couldn't deny God. Influence and direction. From what? Prayer. Three times a day, he prayed. And he changed the course of, of all of Israel. And if you know the story, this set up Israel to later on be released by Babylon to go back to Jerusalem to build, also to get support in build, rebuilding the walls in Jerusalem so that they could rebuild their nation to prosper them. I mean, it's just amazing when you look at the whole story that God put into motion. And so this morning, I want to ask you what's your story? What are you going to start today that's going to influence people tomorrow? I was talking with our teenagers on Wednesday night. And we were talking about uh, divi- you know, divine direction and starting something little, a little discipline that will change your life for tomorrow. Now, we can talk about prayer and Bible. Those are important disciplines that we should already be doing. But you know what? Maybe set a time that's your time. In the morning. And you don't have to start off with, you know, I'm going to spend an hour. You know, start off with five minutes. Start off with something that you know is a goal that you can meet. And then build from there. For me, this is a really silly one. I started off flossing. I hate to floss. And every time I go to the dentist, I get scolded by the dentist or by the hygienist. And so I thought, you know what? I can do that. You know, right now, it's, it's just a little bit of, um, it's just a little thing for me. But it's what I do before I read, read the word, before I go to bed. So floss has become part of that routine for me. I brush my teeth, I floss. Sometimes I have to brush again, whatever. But then, you know, it reminds me, okay, I flossed. Now it's time for, for God's word. And some per time before I go to sleep. Little things can make a big impact. Maybe you're ready to lose that 15, 20 pounds, 50 pounds, I don't know. So you, you just want to go after it. Well, start with the little things. Stop drinking soda. Stop, you know, eating so much sugar. Start somewhere. Do you stand? you uh, bow your heads and close your eyes with me I hope this morning this this word was a challenge for you but I hope it also gave you hope and in the sense that your story is not finished your story is still being written you know and I love looking at our lives that way That that you know we are part of our own story and and there's things that in our lives that are going to impact the people we love, that are going to impact our community, that are going to impact our world. What do you want your story to be? You say, well, I want to I be a pastor. Okay. Start taking the steps today and praying for that Believing for that. Writing down sermons, writing down messages, preaching them in the mirror, whatever it takes. Say so I want to be a nurse. Alright, start start researching what it takes to be a nurse. don't ever forget. God's more concerned about who you are becoming rather than what you do with your life. So always start there. If you're in this place and you say, I really struggle with my past. I know I can move on. I know know what... You, you talked about this morning is true. I know all those things, but it just seems like no matter what, when I try to move forward, my past creeps up and it holds me back. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray. Let's, let's, let's kind of just get that, that resolved right now. Lots of hands are up. My past affects me in such a way it's so hard to move on. I want to look towards tomorrow, but man, I just keep falling back and then I think I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, all those things. There's only one being in this universe that wants to keep your past in the forefront of your mind and that's Satan. Why? Because he can control you with your past. But once your past is forgiven by you and God, it's gone. It becomes part of that testimony part of your story. Where you say, I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was I was once unredeemable, but now I'm redeemed. You know, those that's what it becomes. So, Father, I pray right now for, for those that responded with, with saying, Man, I just struggle with my past, and that affects me starting something new. God, we just bind that right now. That's a lie. And I pray, God, for freedom right now. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe there's 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 been hurt and brokenness. Maybe it's because of divorce. Whatever the case may be, right now, we just pray for forgiveness and mercy to be poured out onto those lives right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look at me real quick, real quick. If you raised your hand, I want to, I want to just I want to tell you this. If you've given your past to Jesus, it's no more. He's forgiven you. But you have to start forgiving yourself. And that may take some time. And the way you do that is you just start telling yourself, I love myself, and I forgive myself. God's already forgiven me. He's let me off the hook. I need to move on. Don't let your past dictate your future. Amen? Amen. I love you guys so much. Thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, If you're a life group leader interested in becoming a life group leader, we'll meet back here in about two minutes. You can grab your kids, whatever you need to do. We'll talk about life groups, and then I'll let you go. God bless you. that today's message is a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.